0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room podcast and BlueWire Network.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment.
2: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there.
1: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers have been hit by a bit of the injury bug, right? Ariza's been out since the beginning, but last couple of days, all the young guys, uh, Kendrick Nunn's dealing with an ankle he won't play versus Golden State tonight. Malik Monk missed the last game and will be out for at least a week. We're hopeful that he's available for the beginning of the regular season, but we're not sure about that with a groin issue. And then the biggest one is Taylor Horton Tucker suffered a thumb injury and had a procedure on that and will be out for an undetermined period of time at this point, but it's going to be a little while. And. Darius, that leaves us in a spot where we were talking a little bit before we hit record that we don't have a ton of defensive players on this roster. And in THT and Ariza in particular, the guys who are going to be out for a long period of time, those are two of our better ones, particularly on the wing. So what is the impact of these injuries, especially the longer term ones to Ariza and THT? I think we can debate about how useful or available we expected Ariza to be
2: during the regular season. I think those closer to the team were maybe cautiously optimistic that he could play a good role. And I think the further and further you get away from the team in terms, I listened to the national pods. And so there were, there are some loud voices that are like Ariza being out really matters because I expected him to be play this big role. And it's just like, oh, all right, well we never saw him at all. So it's hard to say what he would or would not sure. have been right. Um, so I'd rather turn my focus more to tht because I think we all expected him to play a pretty big role. He's the fourth highest paid player on the team. They clearly prioritized him during the off season and a lot of the off season rhetoric around him was improving in very specific ways that idealize him as like a pretty big piece of the roster. Like, hey, we want him to play real strong defense, and that's because that makes him an option for a closing lineup, in my opinion, right? And his shot creation and the idea of him making better reads as like a passer, that was also like a priority that was being discussed. And that's because he could really be a fulcrum of a second unit offense, particularly if LeBron and Russ are both off the floor at the same time. Right. And so there's just in terms of what his skill set is, is framed as or what they want or what they were projecting on to him. He seemed like a solid bet for like a 25 to 30 minute role guy a night and someone who could be a two-way player and Mike like losing that sort of dude is a big deal on this specific Lakers team I think because they are a team that that swapped out that middle tier depth for a high-end player in Russell Westbrook, right? And so losing a guy like THT may not matter if you have like a KCP and a Kuz in like around as well who are similar archetypes in in terms of players. Um the Lakers really don't have that other two-way wing now, especially with Ariza out. And, and and so I don't want to call this a devastating thing, but it's something now that I feel like the coaches are going to have to be in the lab and find ways to piece together lineups in ways that compensate for this specific player being, being out. And plus he's just a young guy with fresh legs and you expect him to eat these innings.
3: Well, first I'd say it's an opportunity for the guys that are left essentially, but I think Bazemore is that two-way wing, and he's been good so far uh, this preseason. So that he's the guy I think that you immediately. All right, well now maybe it goes from 30 minutes, you know, up to 34 or something. Like he he really may need to play a lot more, and you need him to stay healthy. And then Ellington um, is another guy that's in that spot. So uh, there, and even Austin Reeves, I'm sure we can get to that at some point, Pete, who's actually I think played quite well. Uh, yes. In, in the preseason, up to this point, but the thing that I that I think is frustrating about it, injuries are frustrating for any team. But the Lakers dealt with so many last year, and I don't know how many times you guys heard me say bubble tax. And and this is a different thing, right? So Ariza came in uh, with his ankle situation. That wasn't something that happened in camp. Uh, Tht with the, anytime it's like a thumb thing like that, that's not you know that's not something that was caused by training camp or practice or pushing too hard. That's a
1: basketball it, yeah. that happens in basketball. It's just yeah. a
3: fluke thing, but it's just unfortunate. It's the monk thing. Um, you know, the, the gro- a groin strain, like that kind of thing can be some mix of usage or ramping up, but, but whatever it's, that's the thing that it's not like you had this, Oh, th- this guy was tired because of this long offseason. Then he came into camp and it's just stuff that's happened. That's unfortunate. And you, you don't necessarily pin on anybody. So that's too bad. But the way that I would look at it, Pete, is this is now, it's a a big benefit individually for the guys that are there that are just going to need to play more now alongside the three stars. And I also wonder, you know what? I don't even want to get, I was going to say, yeah, maybe they have to find a way to play another big a little bit more, but let's not go down that road again. Right. Uh, I just, I want to (laughs) focus on kind of the three stars and then, uh, and then some of these wing guys that are just going to have to play bigger minutes. And the one thing it could do though, is have them establish a bit more continuity early. Because they have those guys playing more and they have the lineup almost set by default because of the injuries.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to probably run a little bit of a tighter rotation and bigger minutes for a guy like Moore. I think you're spot on with that. That said, if they, and I'm so excited to see the game tonight where you know with AD at the five, and if this goes along with the whole style of play change that I expect them to, and if they're doing what I think they're doing from a basketball's perspective, aside from the five position and the three stars who are irreplaceable, there's a lot of interchangeability at all of the other positions. Now, that's truer on offense than it is on defense, although it's still true on defense to a certain degree. Degree. I think that the a reason THT injuries combined are kind of like last year when we talked about it's one thing to lose your starting point guard, but it's another when all your ball handlers are out. Now it's Kyle Kuzma is the guy bringing the ball up court. You start to degrade in a certain area of the game. And that's what I worry about. Darius is kind of bigger wings are primed to kick our ass in in some respect, uh, because just defensively, we don't have the bodies unless AD or LeBron take that on early on. And maybe they do to a greater extent. Maybe that's part of of what needs to be done. But that said, I am, I'm not at that point where last year I was like, Oh, we've lost too many of this particular attribute to be able to be competitive. Like there's a, it's a point of failure because like Mike brought up Reeves, for example, like I Reeves can play a bit. He's not going to, he's not like going to come into the NBA and dominate. And there's going to be a certain amount of like, you know, You start the regular season and, wow, this is very big. I'm in an NBA regular season. That's always going to happen to an extent. But that interchangeability of our positions, really one through four in a lot of respects, offensively, and then a lot of guys similar sized defensively. I think we're more hurt on the defensive end than on offense. But I'm not at a point where I'm like, oh, we're in in deep shit because of these, these injuries.
2: Anytime you're hurt on defense when your defense already projected to be not very good, is just like that's a problem for this team like i feel like i'm gonna come in hot this pod like i missed the last pod and and, and i was listening to what you guys were discussing and i've got a lot of thoughts on like the approach to the preseason and sort of the sound bites that are coming from from the team i'm appreciative of the perspective that everyone's been been taking both around the team and and everything else but like the team lost good defense like good or average to good defensive players they lost players who they expected to contribute to them defensively which is a side of the ball in which we've all discussed is most important to their head coach and I think is going to be a key drive or what the coaching staff at least would want to be a key driver of their identity as a team whether or not that ended up happening I think was going to be an indicator of the push and pull between the coaching staff and the talent available to them. And that was going to be a storyline all year. Well, injuries, these specific injuries, I think, have made the pull a little bit more towards the side where it's just like, hey, we don't got the defensive players anymore. So we're going to lean in more heavily to this offensive side. And it's going to be interesting to me how they compensate for for all of that. Like, I have not liked what I've seen from the team during the preseason very much at all there was a very good stretch that they had in the last game um where I thought the key ingredients of AD and Dwight and Bazemore as key defensive cogs who both were who knew what they were doing and were playing hard Right. Those guys made up for something out there that, that really allowed the Lakers to lean into to their style. And then Russ being the other guy out there who, like, I don't think his defense was particularly like high level, but he was just a physical Physical dude out there being able to run around and chase down a loose ball and get on the glass. And that's going to be an important part of what the team wants to do on both sides of the floor.
1: Yeah, he can play the style of defense that we want to play, even if he's not interchangeable to a a bunch of different styles. He can do this.
2: Or even if he's not like elite at
1: that right? Like he's not a
2: dude who is going to be like, I am an elite technical defender, sure. Sure. right? But what he can be is a physical force. When he's leveraging those those tools, he can be super useful. And it's the idea that we've, I feel like been, it's the ideal that we've been projecting onto him as a contributor on on the defensive side of the ball. But- I have thoughts about what this team can be defensively. And if you go back through the archives of the pod, like I've been saying, like, I don't know what this team is going to be on defense. I think it's great that they're talking about, like, we want to be this, right? But like, I don't see the talent on that side of the ball. Like, I just don't. And you can make up for talent with want, but I haven't seen the want. And I know that that's why... That goes back to some of the stuff I was saying before, though, about like I'm I can understand what the team is saying around their approach to the preseason. But I'm not buying that. I want to see it like you can talk to me all you want about how much it matters to you. I and I'm not I'm not the athlete. I'm not on the floor. I'm not one of the coaches. So I'm sitting here talking on a microphone. and, and, And so you can appreciate my opinion or not. Like either way, but but I'm not feeling that as much personally from my perspective.
3: Well, A.D. said in as many words that things would be different on Tuesday night. So I'm I'm trying to hold any real evaluation until we do see LeBron, A.D. and Russ and we see that their collective energy level filters down through the rest of the roster, which is how things are going to work this year. You know, if if those guys don't bring it on any given night, it's tough to expect the role players especially the guys that are here not necessarily because of contract situation but just because of say and status in the league aside with the exception of Rajon Rondo right who as we saw in Golden State Scott the kind of the swag in Vogel's favorite term to come in and just change energy uh, to a game and bring guys with him for, for that reason which I think by the way is is good like when when the three of us were discussing or actually it would have been the two of you and then me on a different podcast uh with a shout out to our boy Aaron Larsoul the regular season rondo before the bubble happened there was a lot of kind of what's going on you know is is it going to is it going to happen yet and in the preseason it's been like a different dude it's been yeah, he's been good. So. Oh yeah, he's
1: been bringing. I think part yeah. of that is because he doesn't expect to play, and so and that we've needed sort of that want that Darius was talking about yeah, that somebody to it, yeah. to inject that, and and so I'm. I'm actually very optimistic, and again, like I said yesterday, maybe I'm just crazy, and this is all going gonna go bad. But uh, that doesn't have that has a shelf life, right? And so that idea of things changing tonight, we're recording on Tuesday morning. Like if we're still having this conversation even after the end of these two games, D, that that idea of want and that I have to have to see it, and I haven't seen it, that's going to be tonight when that starts. And so let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about tonight's game. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So, as I said on the last pod Darius I'm, i am I would have be in a very different mood right now if i didn't see that defensive stretch where they went through something happened where you know they uh it was right around the eight minute mark Russ checked back into the game, and it wasn't Russ necessarily that sparked this. it was our defense and that a d dwight combo i've been dying to hear your thoughts on that, but I still think that in unless none misses a good amount of time, I think we have just enough defensive players to where I think you and I are both of the same mind where you can survive one bad defensive player on the floor. Like if Mello's on the floor, but we've got four other guys who can defend. If Ellington's on the floor, four other guys, Monk, same thing. I think we're probably in agreement that you can get by. And I think we have enough lineups that can do that. If we lose one more defender, I'm more in agreement that we're in that spot. But seeing an offense... Led by Chris Paul, that had difficulty when we decided, like, oh, we're gonna talk a little shit and kind of get up in you. They couldn't even get into their offense. And so, that idea of being able to go on a defensive run, I think that's more going to be the characteristic of this team rather than 48 minutes of good defense. When you've got a KCP and a Caruso and even Kuz by, by his last year and a half with the team, you could pretty much rely like that guy's going to play pretty good defense to great defense all, all the way up to Caruso. right? I don't think that's going to be the nature of this team, but we do have a, a certain amount of explosiveness that that's one of the things that I'm looking for in tonight's game.
2: I thought the combination of Dwight and AD changed the game. Absolutely. yeah. I think that there is a, and we talked about this in the championship season, and so it shouldn't be a surprise, but it, it, it was refreshing, I think, to see two dudes with, who are that big with that much desire and have that much of a presence athletically show desire defensively and say, y'all ain't doing it, this, this possession. I do not care where the ball goes. I am going to be in position to wreck you. And Anthony Davis, I thought, was key to that. But Dwight Dwight is showing something that DeAndre Jordan simply isn't. He is showing to be, I can make two, three, four, five efforts on a single play in order to shut a thing down, and when that combined with AD, who was big and rangy, again, where it's just like, oh, I'm I'm on Jay Crowder, I am closing out. No, the ball is swinging. My help now is I am now as a support player backside. I got to get one foot in the paint. Like, oh, nope, back to a guard. I am up on you, and it's like he's just no, everywhere. Like, like, no, you're not doing any of this shit. I'm mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. You forgot. Here's to Dw- and then yep. and then the ball is in the paint and it's AD and Dwight both jumping and it's all arms and it's just like like the sun is eclipsed and they were playing the
1: Suns and so no pun, pun intended but sure, well, that no, but no, that's but that- what happened. But what's important, like, so there, the play you're talking about in particular, that was DeAndre Ayton bouncing off of them. And so for as absolutely awful as we've been on defense, there were a couple of things in that game where it was like, yo, Kent Baysmore on Chris Paul, there's something yeah. there. Like, we've got the size this year to be able to, to manage uh, DeAndre Ayton's physicality, right? So I, I don't know. Like, again, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I'm optimistic on these things.
3: No, let's just talk about Baysmore for a second, because after yeah. the game— I asked him, "Hey, what where defensively are you most curious? What are you looking for matchup-wise because as you just mentioned, Pete, you were on Chris Paul for part of the game and looking really good. And then but there are other parts where he can slide up and defend a 2 or defend a 3." And the first thing that he said was basically, "Yeah, I'm comfortable with all of it. I like it. I look at it as a challenge." Uh, he cited his length. <laughs> he told me what his wingspan was, and his point was kind of like, "Look, look, man, like I can do, I can do multiple things there. You know, this is I have real value." And the fact that the three point shot looks consistent with what he shot last year. Right, yeah. he was a forty percent three point shooter last year. It when when he takes the shot up, it's not it's not the same as some guys where you're kind of like, all right, if this goes in great, I'm expecting, you know, I'm expecting it to at least flirt with going in uh, when he takes a shot
1: and And he can do it off of multiple catches, Mike, like he can face the passer and then square up to the basket. And a couple of our shooters last year had more difficulty doing that.
3: And so the defense is one thing, but I also just, I like that the threes that he was getting, and a lot of them were coming from Russ. This happened in Golden State too, where he had three straight assists to him. They're all in the corners, so he's making yes. that run to the corner, and he's not worried about like what you don't want. What you don't want is basemore having to be on the weak side of the floor, get the ball late in the shot clock, and have to put the ball on on the on the floor and try to make a play. Or to, that's not his strong suit. <laughs> but if he's uh-huh. just going, if he's basically doing. Well, not all KCP things, because KCP actually can put the ball on the floor a little bit, right? And make a play at the top of the floor. But when he's just playing that role, the actual 3 and D role, that's exactly what the Lakers need. And, and he's been good when he's been doing that. I'm
2: super intrigued by Bazemore being able to slide on to point guards, particularly a certain type of point guard, and say, like, I can do all the things necessary in order to defend Right. Yes. So it's just like I can I can get over the top of screen sums. I'm big enough and long enough to go under sometimes if the angle is right. Right. And the thing that in so and then that puts Russ into more of an off-ball situation or in second unit groups where it's just like a lot of teams like to play smaller backcourts and and play two ball, ball handlers. It allows Russ to still be a guy who's engaging on a ball handler, which I think he can still be disruptive at that with his size.
1: A, a, a lot of this ties in like, Having Russ off of the ball as a as opposed to a point of attack guy, that'll get him more rebounds. Like if he's in a help situation, especially if he's on the weak side, we've talked about how he can get get lost on the weak side, and so it's not a perfect you know solution yeah. necessarily. But not having him on the ball gives you the ability to, because especially when we've got Ad and Dwight back there, kind of battling with whomever it is, and then that tap out goes to Russ, and now we're on the run because Bazemore's streaking up the court. Bazemore, man, I don't understand. Like he has some adventures driving to the rim, of course. I don't understand why he's a vet minimum player in this league. Like a two way three and D guy. That he's a. And it's like the same reason
2: why Ellington is sort of a vet minimum guy. But like, vet,
1: but he's not a two way guy. Like I know he can chase a little bit off of the ball, but like it's. Oh like, no! I like I like Baysmore a lot more than I thought I was going to.
2: <laughs> Baysmore, when you say that he that he can be an adventure, Bazemore is an adventure. Like he is. He is <laughs> yeah. a like. Because there is a decision-making acumen that is, like, not quite at the level that you want. And and that's just, like, I'm not calling him a dumb player because he's not a dumb player. Not right? at all. And, and and I've seen dumb players. And I don't like calling players dumb, but I've seen them. And I'll definitely allude to you as being a certain way <laughs> when you ain't got it. Base is not that. But there is, like, an in-play... Remember... KCP's like first season with with the team where he just had the ball more and he was asked to do a little bit more. baysmore has got some of that adventure in him where, uh-huh. where it's just like, no, bro, like that's not <laughs> that ain't it right there. I yeah. need you. I need you to give the ball up and, and fill strong corner. Right. Like and when you're at the top, I don't need you to play around and go between your legs a couple of times and be like, it's my time to cook. Like, no, no. Your time to cook was at Old Dominion. Right? Like, <laughs> it, like it's yeah. not now. Sure, sure. And, and so there are some times where Bayes has the ball and you're just like, mm-mm. I need you to do something else. But but the tools that you're discussing and what Mike mentioned earlier about Bay's more like having that confidence in order to go out there and and do it. He's had that his whole career, and that's why he's that's why he's stuck around, right? And so he's probably more of a of a taxpayer MLE guy or room exception guy, but he took less than that to come play for the Lakers and and play on this role. He probably could have been a two-year, ten million dollar contract like he could assign none's contract with another team I think but he didn't he came back to the Lakers to to play a role here and I think that like in with some real foresight he sees the vision for himself on this roster and he could easily be a closing guy next to Russ LeBron AD and then a fifth guy and on certain nights that could be Dwight and that will probably be the Lakers best defensive lineup
3: and I think this is the benefit of having the three stars that so we talk about sometimes the, the cost of it is that you don't have a lot of money left for everybody else. But the benefit of it is you get some guys that are willing to play above yeah. or below what their yeah. pay grade is because they want to be a part of it. And it also, I think, is because the opportunity increases. So in Bazemore's head, he's talking to his agent. He's like, well, if I go to the Lakers, I think I could start there. And I yes. think they've got a chance to win. So I'm going to be that dude playing next to LeBron and Russ and AD and then with Dwight and Rajon Rondo there for a, a basketball nerd and a basketball nut. That's, that's a pretty enticing – that's like the – you go up in the varsity – like when you're in eighth grade or something and the varsity team is playing down in the court and a couple guys get injured and they're kind of looking over to the bench. Hey, can anybody run? Anybody run with this crew? And baseball little eighth grade basemore is putting his hand up. Uh-huh. He's like, yo, I can I can play. I'll play defense for you guys.
1: Uh-huh. I'll, come I'll and run around threes. and do all the all the hustle shit that, <laughs> you know? that y'all might not want to do all the like, time. Yep.
3: <laughs> and so I think that he saw that in and guys, we, you know, we did when we tried to pick our initial starting lineup, he he did make the most sense to us. And I think that he's looked probably even a little bit better uh, than what the expectation was. But he was good last year. He was. He had a good he had a good season last year in Golden Golden State, and they played games that mattered late in the season. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a Bazemore buyer, a Bazemore believer.
2: The interesting thing is, is that if you talk to Warriors fans, they will, they will probably tell you about the adventures more than yeah. they'll tell you about the positive things. And the reason, and Pete, you and I had talked about this offline. Like, I don't think it made any of the pods when we were discussing the free agency stuff, but the nature of the Warriors system as being like this, everybody gets to touch it, Everybody gets to make a decision. Everyone is putting oh, the is spots on the point. floor mm-hmm. where they where they get to sort of orchestrate in the middle of the flow and be a decision maker. Like Basemore embraces that part, but just like we were talking about, he's not necessarily like most equipped to always make the best read. This is in, a great point. In those situations. And we're and very so,
1: different. We're very different in, in this, uh, with with our shot creators.
2: The Lakers are, and so he will be... Look, the Lakers have not played their full roster once this entire preseason. And now injuries will make it so that that will be the case the rest of the preseason, right? But this will be the this game where A.D. LeBron and... Russ will all sort of be in the mix strong in this game this is going to be our best opportunity to see how guys actually slot in around those three guys right and what that looks like and what a potential rotation is built off of when all of those three guys start together and that's that's the information gathering I'm looking for in this game and while I'll be frustrated if the sort of lack of energy stuff still shows up or, like, the attention to detail that I'm sort of looking for in the preseason as a building block, like, you talked about, like, the starting gun go going off and, um, and they're still standing there. And yeah. that doesn't mean at the end of the marathon that they won't be near the front of the pack again, right? But I... I I nodded my head to that and then I said to myself damn I wish I was on the pod because I was gonna say that at some point though you do have to start running and you do do have to start moving your legs and there is a habit building that matters to any great team the habit building matters and when Mike mentioned like I don't, that he didn't necessarily recall a ton of detail from the first preseason with LeBron and AD. I don't either. But I do remember there being a certain amount of like, like seriousness and FU energy to that team. Like, nah, we got something to prove. Yeah. And, and that was from jump. Yeah. And that's something to prove idea hasn't quite been there with this team. And I feel like Coming off of the season that the te- that the team just had, not these players, right, but that the team had, I wanted more of that and en- that more more of that fu energy, right? But you've made this point a bunch, Pete, that like it's not the same dudes, it's not the same group. Yes, yeah, completely. Is the guy- mm-hmm. These aren't the guys that got like basically lost three straight games to to the Suns. Like none of those guys are even on the floor, so it's hard to expect it.
1: And a couple of the guys who who were are are stars who have mostly been taking these nights off. This game against two, uh, against the Warriors is going to be the first time they've all played together. But not just that, it'll be the first time that LeBron and AD play together this preseason. LeBron's only played in one game, and AD sat that one out. And so, gosh, there's so much that you guys both said there. From first off, from the the three star build. We talk about asset management all the time. That's a conversation on Twitter is, you know, how well you manage your assets and that's held in such high regard. Well, this is a form of asset management as well, right? Like the idea of being able to get guys who could get a better contract elsewhere. So, yeah, there's so much there that you guys covered from the the three star build and how that attracts really high quality players on on lower level contracts to the energy level of the team and kind of that uh, being the stars imbuing the rest of the team with that starting with this game tonight. And that's what I really want to focus on. So tonight's game, I'm looking for pace. That is going to be something that, even if I think the turnovers are still going to continue, but I think that's going to be kind of the basis of what we're going to be doing going forward. I think that everything we've talked about has kind of a common unifying theme. And even within my optimism on what this team can be defensively, it's all built on the idea of creating havoc. That's the whole idea of this team is that it, get this team into as many scramble situations as possible. And the one time that we looked good We're all over the place defensively. You know, guys are leaking out. It's Anthony Davis alley-oops, Kent Bazemore corner threes, but everyone's just flying all over the place. And so that, I want to see a certain amount of flying all over the place tonight. Above all else, if it's sloppy, I'll live with that. But this has to be one of those building block games that you were talking about, Darius. And my, like I said, I have a shelf life on how long the, like, oh, it's the preseason. We're not really into it. The... I'm going to hold AD to to that comment, right, on the idea that that things start today.
2: I'm glad you brought up AD again because I wanted to bring this up earlier. AD's been playing pretty hard, at least in every first shift. And then in that last game, he, he had that really great stretch during the second quarter where I thought that he ramped it up. So AD's had way more encouraging moments this preseason that sort of show me like, okay, he's with it. That said, AD was also one of the ringleaders around the idea of, like, uh, not quite into it last season, right? Not quite into it. And then, oh, it's on me. Next game, it's on. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of, okay, well, next game, maybe it was on. And then, like, a game later, it was, like, okay, I'm, I'm back to just sort of being, like, uh I'm just going to hang around a little bit, right? And so I do think AD's energy can be a driver around this, and they need him to be, like, Mike made a point the last pod, like, AD, AD is the important one here. He is the one who is just like, if his jumper's fallen and if he's active and if he's aggressive, that is going to set a certain floor for the team in terms of, like, what tone the team is going to take. Now, I think LeBron and Russ... Are, in a weird way, they are the ceiling when it comes to like the energy side, like and in the but in the aggregate big picture, I still think AD is the ceiling and Russ and LeBron are the floor from a skill level standpoint. But when it comes to energy, it's like the inverse. If AD is way up here, then the team can skyrocket off of that. I think AD, this is where AD's leadership matters the most to me. It's in defense and, and it's in sort of that commitment to going, to taking it to the other team. And if he has that, I actually think LeBron and Russ are going to be like, oh, okay, like let's get out here and run with our big dude because if he's doing that, we're going to be right there with him. Or But do you see it differently or does that even matter to you as much? And you got something else to say. No, it, do-
3: it does matter. I just was thinking... It's an interesting exercise to go through the ceiling floor deal just with LeBron, AD and Russ. And the way that I think about it, I probably start with LeBron and LeBron is. So we've called now I'm going to jump all over my own point. So Russ, in a lot of ways, is a regular season floor just based on energy. But he's his level of play is not as high as LeBron's nor is almost anybody else's. So LeBron truly represents the floor. If LeBron is playing in the game, you are going to be in the game and you're going to have a chance to win a D to me last year would have been the ceiling. Like, so if a D plays well, since you know, LeBron's going to play a certain way, then you're in really good shape. Now Kyrie is on this team is kind of like the ultimate ceiling Player And the upside player where if Russ really does figure it out with this group, then the Lakers are going to be really, really difficult to beat. But he he also represents he can kind of he can bring down some of LeBron in AD's level just by nature of taking away some of the possessions and playing them his way. So he's also kind of the complicating factor, right, where he can lower the floor some because you already have LeBron in AD and Pete, stop me if this is getting confusing, but no, 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 no. Yeah. Whereas like Russ, Russ on a, on an average, if you just stuck Russ on the Rockets right now or the Thunder, he would raise their floor immensely. Yes. But on the Lakers, since they have LeBron, the floor is already at a certain level and you want to make sure not to lower that floor. You know what I mean? So we got we got elevators going in different directions in some ways.
1: Absolutely. I would say that the 14 minutes per game that LeBron isn't going to play during the regular season, and historically, this is a, a point you made on, on TV the other day, Those have historically been the times where those teams have struggled, LeBron teams. And that gives you the ability to have a really high floor, even when LeBron is not on. So it might not be that LeBron floor, but providing that Westbrook floor for 14 minutes a game, that has a great deal of value. Now, there is the complicating factor in the other minutes where their their minutes do overlap. That's going to be something that's a whole nother branch of the tree that we will discuss throughout the season. But I do think that that is. No, no. but so in
3: their minutes together. Would you would you really rather see LeBron have much more of the action? Like basically to start the game, to start the third quarter, to finish the game. Would you and I know this is going to be like this, but in an ideal world, right? Russ is sort of ceding that ground some to LeBron. But like, I I just don't think it's going to be that way. I think they're going to want Russ to establish himself and he's going to have more of the ball. But isn't that what would ideally be like LeBron has the ball there. Then Russ takes over more possessions and eventually they get closer to where Russ knows exactly how to play with it.
1: It, it would I actually think when Russ is on the floor, he's going to have the ball. I think it's going to be obviously, that's not a either or type of thing LeBron will get plenty of his possessions but part of what that lineup needs this small ball lineup that we're going to see kind of debut tonight with all of the guys Darius is that lineup needs LeBron to be more of a big man than it needs him to be a guard and so that's part of the beauty of LeBron's dominance is that of course he could LeBron could come out and be the point guard of the offense as he's been the last couple of years but with this particular group that calls for more of that big man physicality that power forward stuff and you have a great theory on this that we'll get into more on another pod but that I think that's more of what it's going to look like and then when Russ is off the floor and LeBron is on it namely to end of the first quarter, start the second quarter, end the third quarter, start the fourth quarter, those are the times where we see LeBron the point guard more. Yeah, I'm
2: very interested so in in my closing thoughts about this game against the Warriors, I'm very interested in seeing all of the different play types that exist in the half court between those three as, as three players, right, as individual talents, as Russ, Russ as a ball handler in the pick and roll with LeBron setting the screen and then AD spacing, and then with AD setting the screen and LeBron spacing, with AD posting on one side and then Russ and LeBron on the weak side and then how does that work? together and then inverse stuff with with LeBron handling the ball and AD screening for him and then Russ screening for him and what do those looks look like and there's uh there's all of this like like oh all of these dudes are so talented offensively how do you mix and match these these possessions and LeBron being more of a big man on some of those, those plays where he is a dude who is just like, oh, look at, look at mid-career Carl Malone type dude just sure. busting up a small guard trying to guard Russ and then getting down downhill, especially on side pick and rolls with an empty corner, right? Like there's going to be a lot of stuff that these guys can do. And we haven't had a chance to see it because they haven't really played together. And so it starts tonight against the Warriors, and, and I'll be as interested in so many of the things that we've been talking about. Oh, I'll be interested in this. I'll be interested in that. Well, we're still interested because we ain't seen any of it. <laughs> That's right. Right? And, uh, and some of that has been frustrating to us, and some of it has just been, like, circumstance, but... These last two games are seemingly important to the team as like a foundation and a springboard into the regular season. And so I want to see what that looks like to these guys. And then we can see how much it matters or doesn't because but I I do think it is going to inform my opinion about where I think this team can be, at least in the first 15 to 20 games of the season.
3: Yeah. So my last thing on tonight would be just rotation wise. We're going to see AD and LeBron and Russ, we know in the starting lineup, you would assume that you would just put Ellington and Bazemore, especially based on what availability is yeah. with them there. And so that means that Rondo really has to have a larger role with the second unit, which should mean if he's playing like he's been playing and then Dwight coming off the bench, like this is going to be a much more crisp group just in
1: dress rehearsal. Yeah. Like yeah. knowing,
3: No, but also just the fact that these are the guys that, those are all the guys that used to play Sans Tht that have actually played in this system with Frank Vogel, and then yeah. you know it, it's going to have to be Austin Reeves, right, with that group coming off the bench, and then you know who else are we even going to see um, coming Mello. into that spot? Well, right, right, of course, Mello um, at the backup four, yeah. and that's the nine, right? So does does Frank want to run with the nine? Or, you know, do you see do you see one of the kind of like the G League two way guys come in? But if you can run a crisp nine after what we've seen, you know, that that is going to be interesting and we should have a whole different thing set of things to talk about tomorrow.
1: I'm all for crisp. I need to see some crisp Lakers basketball. It's seven straight butt kickings, and uh, yes. let's not make it eight. Let's have some some fun tonight. Throw um, some starch in
2: this one, Pete. We need right. it to be a little bit extra crispy.
1: Let's make it that's happen. That's right. <laughs> let's make it happen. All right. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Yes, Magic. Got it. Magic fires. it's good.
3: Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the left right. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, Back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of
0: Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me, Kobe?
3: Hard to believe, Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's
0: the move. Two, going. one, miss it! It's over. shot out of five. Oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah!